Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry, Toyota. Let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Live Podcast. I am your man, MG Marcus Grant, alongside the Fantasy Hall of Famer, Michael Fabiano. Fabs, what's going on? Oh, I'll tell you what's going on. There's the 2-1 to judge. Swung on. There it goes deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. A judgian blast. Aaron Judge hit one over the auxiliary scoreboard. Over the grandstand. Into the bleachers. All rise. Here comes the judge. Yeah, buddy. I know it's baseball, but I don't care. My Yankees are going to Beantown. Are you, are you done? To face the Red Sox. All right, let's talk fantasy are, football. Are you, done? you know what's funny about you guys? Like, I'm sorry. You Yankee fans are funny because you guys act like you've never been in the playoffs before. Like you are. No, you we are, just get excited about it like we've never been there before. Guys, we, like, there is an electricity that like runs you guys through act Yankee like, Stadium. You guys act like you've never. Like you guys. Oh, have what? You guys have like 50 million championships, and like you guys are. This is the wild card. You guys shouldn't even get it's excited about the wild card. Passion. You shouldn't get excited about the wild card. Like here's well, the thing. No, we I don't have like, to. Like we I don't like. To. Like I don't like. Here's the thing. I don't. I don't like. I went to USC, right? So you know how I feel about UCLA. Right, but yep. the thing, the thing that I will respect UCLA for, is like you go to Pauley Pavilion, right, and they have their championship banners for all their basketball years, right? When John Wooden was like running things there, and the one thing they say is, we don't put up championships for, uh, we don't put up banners for conference championships. You guys are basically putting up banners for conference. No, no, like, no, we, you guys, you guys are the Colts. You guys are the Colts celebrating every, your wild but card. Every birth. baseball like, team it is. does it. You win in the postseason, you celebrate, you move on to the next city, right, but the, and the, that's what we're doing. Right, but it's like. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. Like, you're in the playoffs. You, you, you are celebrating this. Like, you have been on this all day. Like, this is the first. You I'm guys are, it's like well, you're the Cubs. Like, you're not the one, Cubs. Clean yourself up. No, no. Have a little self-respect. It's passion. It's have called little, passion. Have a little self-respect, It's like Yankee we've fan. never been there. I can help you out, Fabs. I'll say this to Marcus, and it's a fair point. I'm not going to argue that. Have a little that. self-respect, it's Yankee fan. Very, very fair point. I will say, for me, at least personally, and I think some fans might feel the same way, when the Yankees did win in 09 with the kind of bought team when you had A-Rod and you had, you know, you got Sabathia, uh, who now has become, a, I guess, a true Yankee and Burnett, all those kind of guys. Mm-hmm. It's a, w- a way, way different feel with this team because yep. it feels like this team was brought from the found, like Cashman did his job, like made a lot of trades, got guys from the farm system. Now it's Judge, it's Torres, it's Gary Sanchez, it's Didi and a great trade that no one spoke about when, it, when he first made it happen. Yep. Um, Luis Severino, who pitched yesterday for us, like he was a guy in our system. So it's it's 
reminds us of like those Jeter Rivera. There's a new excitement yeah. with this team. It's a new young squad. It's fun. So clean yourself up. That's it. I tried. That's I tried, it. Fabs. Clean, I tried. Clean yourself up. I not tried doing there. it. You're, you're, you're better. not going to get it. If you're better than that. If yet. you hate the Yankees, you're going to have every excuse in the book I, to you know, continue like, to hate the Yankees. What I really want is for this series, I would like the earth to crack open and swallow both these franchises. <laughs> That's really what I want. Oh, uh, anyway, we got plenty to talk about on this one. Of course, week five is underway. By the time you listen to this, uh, the Thursday night football game may be in, in progress or have been played by the time that's done. But we'll get to the rest of week five. We'll, have, of course, have uh, Eddie's delirious pick. Oh, by the way. Hi, Eddie. We didn't actually officially say hi. You jumped in, but uh, how are you today? I, I am very good. I think uh, our, our Yankees uh, kind of opened their uh, show. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling great. Yeah, uh, he, he's proudly wearing his uh, interlocking NY hat there behind the glass. I am. Yeah, I, uh, I love I, it. I, I care, obviously care very much about my fantasy football team. Right now, it's very equal with my uh, with my Yankees right now. So mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, so, of course, we'll have Eddie's delirious pick. We'll do some mailbag questions uh, and, uh, you know, a whole lot of other things going on in this show. But first, let's do some news. The news. We will start in Cincinnati. Joe Mixon returned to practice this week. He is hoping to be cleared in time for the Bengals game against the Dolphins. Uh, has been out for a couple of weeks dealing with some injury issues, but uh, this seems to be just in time, right? Because Mixon is back. Gio Bernard looks like he might be out, so it's just sort of a, a rotating door at running back. But either way, it's a really good matchup for those guys. Yeah, it is. And the Dolphins have been bad. They've given up six scores and the fourth most points to running back so far this season. So regardless of who is starting for the Bengals, they're starting for your fantasy football team. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Joe Mixon was the thing that, that surprised me in week one was just how many snaps he got. Uh, I mean, I, we all knew touch machine. We all knew he was going to lead that backfield. But mm-hmm. the fact that you know, in week one, Gio Bernard was not a thing. I mean, remember, people were dropping Gio, and it mm-hmm. made sense because I, yep. think, I think Joe Mixon played something like ninety percent of the snaps, and it was like. Although, if you've uh, been riding Gio the last few weeks, hey man, I he's have. been really good. He's been great for me that's the last a big loss. Weeks. But uh, yeah, he's going to go back uh, to the bench. It looks like for the time being, and uh, it'll be Joe Mixon's show. Uh, speaking of back to the bench, Leonard Fournette. Back to the bench. Uh, we know T.Y. Hilton out for, for Thursday night football. But the bigger thing with Fournette, he was hurt early. He came back maybe a little too soon, got hurt again. And now they're saying there's no timetable for when he comes back. I mean, it could mm-hmm. be a while for him to be out. Obviously, it's a big deal this year. But this is starting to become the story of Leonard Fournette now. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the thing I feel like is gonna it's going to start to follow him. Like, we get... We get to August next year. We're talking about drafts again. I feel like the story with Leonard Fournette's going to be, yeah, but can you trust him to stay healthy? Yeah, no doubt about that. And now if you, well, first off, if you handcuffed him with Yeldon, I mean, that would be tremendous because now you've got a guy who should see the lion's share of the touches for the Jaguars, and he's got the Chiefs this week, and that is just a great matchup. But these hamstring injuries, uh, you've got this, you've got the one with Dalvin Cook as well. I mean, these things could take some time to heal. And so you could be playing without Fournette, who you probably drafted in round one or two, uh, or Dalvin Cook, round one or two, for a few weeks now. And to me, and I, and I said this earlier in the week, I would rather the teams let these guys get healthy, okay? Stop screwing around, putting them in games with snap counts and all this ridiculousness. Sit them down, let them get healthy, come back, you're good to go. Because both of these guys are very important keys to their offenses, especially Leonard Fournette. But in the meantime... 
TJ Yeldon is a very nice start. Yeah, it's it's easy for you to say because you're not trying. You, your your paycheck doesn't hinge on you winning football games either. I well, I know, but I mean, <laughs> you have to be smart with these guys. Like you don't you don't you know win these games now. You got you got to really worry about what's going to happen in the future. And I'd rather have a guy like Dalvin Cook or Leonard Fournette in the second half of the season when I'm making my playoff push than right now because these teams can get through without their lead backs at this point, I believe. But once you get to the second half of the season, man, and defenses are a little bit worn down and the running position becomes even, the running back position becomes even more valuable. I, I just think I'd rather have these guys healthy in the second half of the season, run them and have that advantage in your backfield. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's an interesting, and look at this. So I'm looking at the headlines that we have here, right? And it's all running back talk, right? So mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook, you mentioned he's questionable. We don't yep. know exactly when he's going to be back. Uh, you know, how, how serious this, this issue is going to be. You mentioned he said he's not a hundred percent so yep. far on this thing. Uh, the good news Devontae Freeman is back after being out uh, since week one when he suffered an injury in the season opener against the Eagles. He's expected to come back and play this week against the Steelers. So it looks like the Falcons offense is going to be full squad. Uh, and look, they have been running on all cylinders lately anyway. But yep. now you add Devontae Freeman back against a bad Steelers defense. And it's it's all systems go there. Yeah. And uh, Dan Quinn, the head coach of the Falcons, has already confirmed that Freeman is going to play this week. So you can get him back in your starting lineup. I say he is an RB2. Uh, Quinn's quotes here uh, was that Freeman feels good and explosive. Those are two good things to feel when you're a running back or an NFL player, regardless of position. And this is going to be an absolute barn burner there at Heinz Field. I mean, I think we all sort of expect that. Neither one of these teams has a defense. So you put Freeman back in your lineup. Coleman definitely goes back to being more of a flex starter. And uh, Ito Smith to the waiver wire. Um, Last one, Royce Freeman. Uh, Calm down. Come on. Settle down, Beavis. All right. Sorry. Uh, Vance Joseph saying Royce Freeman needs more touches. And, you know, he played very well last week against the Chiefs, uh, you know, and he has played pretty well when he's gotten opportunities, but it's just, it's been hard, obviously, with Philip Lindsay playing so well. I guess my answer to this is, why why are we forcing Devontae Booker on onto the world right now? I mean, I guess that's kind of what it is, right? Because yeah. Philip Lindsay's playing great. Uh, Royce Freeman, when he's gotten the opportunity, has played great. Mm-hmm. Why, you know... I feel like I feel like uh, like Drax in in Infinity War. Why is Nora, like why is Devonte Booker at this point? That's that's I feel like that's that's the guy who's going to end up losing in this whole situation. Freeman is so good. I mean, guy's averaging five yards an attempt. He looked great last week, but he's just not getting enough touches. I mean, that's the bottom line, and that's what we're hearing now from Vance Joseph. Hey, Freeman needs to touch the ball more. Now, is that going to be at the expense of Philip Lindsay? I don't think so. I think you're right that it's going to be at the expense of Booker because. Why? Why have Booker in the game? You've got two really good running backs, two young guys who have fresh legs, who are playmakers. And of course, I would like to see Freeman get more touches because that was kind of my guy going into the season. And, you know, he's had double digit PPR points in two straight games and he's not catching any balls. I mean, it's all on the ground. So this week they've got the Jets. I say Royce and Lindsay are both in that flex starter conversation. Maybe Royce moves into the RB2 situation. We'll see what happens if Vance Joseph is good on his word and he does, in fact, get Freeman more touches this week. Uh, you know, this is probably a, a bigger conversation for another podcast, but mm. just looking at this and, and thinking about how the season has played out through four plus weeks, I don't know that I'm going to draft a running back in the first round next year. I just don't. I mean, unless I'm the, unless I'm the top pick, unless I'm the Alvin number one Kam- overall pick. Alvin Kamara, Zeke Elliott, Todd Gurley, none. 
No. No, I mean, just because, I, like, maybe Saquon Barkley's been awesome. Right, but part of it is that, and and I know this has been the argument. This was sort of the argument that led us to zero RB, and I know we've debated that part ad mm-hmm. nauseum or whatever, but part of it has been the fragility of running backs and guys that get hurt and the fact that so many of these guys that are in the top part, that you can get decent production from a guy that you're getting in, like, the third round. So I don't know. I mean, there's still plenty of time before we get to next draft season. Yep. And, and like, like I said, this is a bigger conversation for a, a different time, but... Man, it's just been rough out there, man. It's hard out there for a running back pimp. That's all I know. Um, <laughs> that's pretty much everything you need to know. Well, that was the news. You know, G Suite is a suite of cloud-based productivity tools that includes Gmail, Docs, Slides, Sheets, and Drive. And these tools improve your work life both in terms of your experience and the outputs you create. Hence, their new campaign. Make it with G Suite. You know when you have 20 identical versions of a document labeled Final and no clue which is the latest? So you make another version, you name that one Final Final? I mean, you've been there, right? I mean, with G Suite by Google Cloud, a range of work apps like Gmail, Docs, and Slides lets you make real-time updates to the same document without having to keep track of version after version of a project. And since all the tools are cloud-based, your whole team can access the same document and work on the same page at the same time. I mean, look, actually, honestly, that's how I make the rundown for this show. It's kind of put it in a, a Google Doc and let everybody kind of have at it. So to find out more about G Suite's productivity tools, visit gsuite.com. That's gsuite.com. Make it with G Suite by Google Cloud. All right. Week five is upon us. So let's uh, let's talk this one out, right? Let's start. Uh, we'll start. We'll start with Titans, Bills, right? Up in Buffalo, the Titans maybe kind of the most underrated team in the league through the first month of the season. I mean, they're three and one. They're not. They're not pretty. It's not necessarily aesthetically pleasing to watch the Titans play, um, but they're winning games. And last week. They showed some offense. Marcus yeah. Mariota moved the ball. Corey Davis had his breakout game. So, like, are they a thing now? Are they a thing you can you can kind of trust now? Trust? No. <laughs> uh, not, certainly not trust. Um, you know, Mariota had a very good game, and it came out of nowhere because, well, matchup plus he can't make all the throws with the bad elbow, and, you know, obviously he could make enough throws to be successful. And the matchup is good against Buffalo this week, although game script, you could see this team running the football quite a bit in the second half. We'll see what happens here. But um, I think Deion Lewis is the best play of the Titans when you're looking at the Bills and what they can't do against the run. Uh, so this is a, a very nice play in PPR leagues. I mean, Derrick Henry, I mean, I, I'm still really struggling to even consider uh, giving people the recommendation of playing him despite what's a great matchup on paper. And Corey Davis, I wrote in Stardom and Sidham, and a lot of people are disagreeing with me. Yeah, you uh, you kind of went out on a limb this week. Because a lot of people are disagreeing with me, but one big week does not guarantee another big week. And if you look at the numbers right now, uh, I, I, I get it. The Bills are bad. You know, I get it. They're, they're not a good team. But Davis runs most of his routes out wide, and the Bills have only given up two touchdowns, and they're giving up an average of 20 points a game in PPR leagues to wide receivers that are out wide. And again, game script. If Tennessee is up in this game, they're not going to throw the football. They're going to run it a little bit more. Davis maybe not going to see as many opportunities. People are probably not going to listen to me, which is fine. And they're probably going to start them because they see the big number last week. Don't be surprised if Corey Davis gives you a disappointing stat line this week. The one thing I will say is the Bills defense has not been... 
they haven't been a dumpster fire, right? right? We came into the season thinking, okay, we'll just pick on the Bills. They're going to be a dumpster fire. They got torched in week one by Look the what Ravens. what they did to the Vikings. And, and like, they have not been awful. I mean, their rushing defense, they're, they're the number 12 rushing defense mm-hmm. in the league right now. I mean, that's not, that's not bad, you know? I mean, overall, I think they're the 20th ranked defense. I mean, again, it's not bottom of the barrel. It's not great, but it's not bottom of the barrel. So this is a team that, you know, maybe they're not the easy mark that we thought they were at the start of the year. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not, you know, I'd still start some guys against them. You know, I still started Aaron Rodgers, and I started my Packers against them last week. But they are not the easy marks. They're not the Bucks. They're not the Falcons. They're not the Steelers. I mean, they, they are better defensively than a lot of teams in this league. Yeah, their, their weakness, uh, and again, I know they're, it's weird because you hear, like, you know, Buffalo's ranked, you know, so-and-so in rushing, but that's all about yards. It doesn't really have anything to do with touchdowns. Uh, but... They they have been giving up right around seven catches a game to running backs. They're still one of the worst teams in terms of allowing fantasy points to uh, opposing running backs. But overall, I mean, they have some they have some talent. You know, White is a good corner. I mean, so that's why I'm a little bit of a uh, I guess a negative Nancy when when it comes to Corey Davis this week. Uh, on the flip side, has anyone seen? Shady McCoy. I mean, like physically seen him, right? Like, you know, no, so on, on Sundays when we're here at the network and we're watching games, usually we're in a room and there's like a bunch of TVs on and, uh, you know, everybody's kind of watching all sorts of different things. And literally, I feel like every time I watch the Buffalo Bills, I've never actually seen LaShawn McCoy with the football. In <laughs> like, you know, I look at the box score and I see obviously he doesn't get the ball a lot. He's not doing a lot. I have not actually physically seen him touch the ball this year. And it makes me wonder whether or not he has actually still a real person or if he's vaporized into another dimension. <laughs> um, it's bad. And I don't understand why it's so bad this year. It's well, look at right now. He's he's tied for 50th in touches among running backs and and you know oh, he's he, that high he did he did miss that one <laughs> one game but i mean he's averaging 9.7 touches a game that's it this is the sean mccoy uh, th- this guy's not you know some some curtain jerker i mean he's the best offensive player that the bills have uh getty's playing with the rib maybe that's affecting him more than than we all think and the bottom line here is, though, if you drafted McCoy, you came into the season knowing there was some risk. Despite what he did last year, different team, offense is struggling, offensive line is worse, rookie quarterback or Nathan Peterman, which is maybe worse than rookie quarterback. We'll see. Uh, it has been so far. But even with Josh Allen under center, I mean, McCoy's not doing much of anything. The Titans are good against the run this week, so McCoy's a fade for me. And he's going to continue to be a fade for me until he actually does something on the on the football field that makes me have a little bit of confidence that he can be maybe not what he's been in the past, but a little bit closer than he has been because right now he's not startable. I just I don't understand what the Bills are doing with him. I don't understand what Brian Daywell is, is doing at the as the offensive coordinator. Like Obviously, you're struggling to run the football. Okay, fine. But you're not even throwing it to him. I mm-hmm. mean, he has been a good pass-catching back throughout his career. I mean, that's been a big part of what he has done. And yet, for some reason, they're just not even using him in that capacity. And I, I can't – I cannot figure it out. And right now, if you've got him, would you drop him? No, nah, I, I couldn't dro- – I'd try to trade him or package him or something because you're not going to get much for him unless you could package him. Maybe somebody in your league is big on big names and thinks McCoy is going to turn it around. I certainly do not think that's the case. But – Dropping him altogether, I feel like if somebody in my league drops him, I'm going to want to pick him up, even though he's stinking, just to throw him on my bench and I mean, and hoping he catches a hot streak. If I saw Lashawn, I mean, if I saw Lashawn McCoy on the waiver wire, I don't, I don't know that I'd pick him up, dude. There's, there's 
just nothing on my waiver wire at running back. I just I don't so I, no, and I look at I look at the schedule. I mean, the Titans this week, and the Texans and Colts are like whatever. The Patriots are, eh, I mean, but he got the Bears, he's got the Jets, mm-hmm. he's got the Jaguars. I don't know that I want any part of it. The only the only real hope is that before the trading deadline, the Bills ship him out to somewhere else that's going to actually use him. Because as long as he stays in Buffalo, I I don't know that he's usable. I don't know that he's rosterable. Well, right now he's a guy that. Uh, He's definitely on your bench. You know, there's no doubt about that. I'll give you one player, and this is desperation, guys. Okay, this is desperation. If you go is ahead and you and, and you here? and you bench Antonio Brown for this guy, don't come crying to me on Twitter. No, no, no. Desperation. Okay, L- let me make sure that that's in desperation. Okay. Tennessee has given up the third most yards to wide receivers lined up out wide and five touchdowns. If you say Kelvin Benjamin, I'm walking out the door. And. In a game where the Bills can be behind, Kelvin Benjamin, uh-huh. Kelvin Benjamin, I said desperation. <laughs> All right, I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you to start him. I'm saying I have nobody to play at a flex spot in the PPR league. I am desperate, and Kelvin Benjamin's on my bench or on the waiver wire. I'm just looking at the numbers. I'm just looking at the numbers. Desperation. Even if he gets you three catches for 28 yards and a touchdown, that's double-digit PPR points. I'm just saying. You know, Monday uh. you could come in here and you could give me a backhand and say, what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> but I'm just looking at the numbers on next gen, and I mean, uh. the Titans aren't good against the wide receiver position out wide, so we'll see. Uh. We'll see. I'm not saying he's great. I said desperate. Des- you know what desperate means? This is this is where the Bills are with their desperate right now. It's 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 what all the Yankee haters are out there right now. Desperate. Uh, no, we just hate the Yankees. Um, desperate. Falcons at Steelers. Is there anybody you're not playing? No, move on. There, okay. <laughs> no, really. I mean, it really maybe, is that maybe, simple. Maybe Chris Boswell. I don't know, like, because he hasn't really done all heck of that much. I'm not starting either one of the defenses. But the two players who may be under the radar, I'm under the radar, I guess, is relative. <laughs> but like Vance McDonald, right? Um, 10 targets in the last two games, and Atlanta, hey, listen, their defense we know is all banged up. Uh, they've already lost three important keys, so uh, he's he's certainly a, a potential top 10 tight end this week. You know, we talked about Austin Hooper a little bit, but Muhammad Sanu as well. Watch out for Sanu. You know, yeah. Steelers, not good against the slot. That's where Sanu makes his hay, so he could be a, a, a potential sleeper this week as well, but you're basically starting everybody. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, th- not No reason to spend a lot of time on that one because that's, that's pretty much how it's going to go. Broncos at Jets. Mm-hmm. This week I've taken to calling Demarius Thomas basically a, a PPR running back without the running back <laughs> upside because it's kind of what he is. Like I, I looked at it this week, and his numbers are very similar to Jalen Richard. Of the Raiders. That's and Jalen Richard's not a guy, certainly you're not starting him. He's not on a lot of rosters anywhere. And if you take away, if you, if you're blind taste test, right, you're not looking, you're probably, you're probably going to move Demarius Thomas, going to put him on the waiver wire and try to trade him. Like you're not playing him. Like, mm-hmm. is, is this, is this our life now? Is, is he going to be a thing this year? Or is this I don't just think who so. He is? I, I think he's, he'll, he'll have some games that you'll, You'll sort of, you know, peek your ears up in the, hmm, ooh, DT, ooh, but it's not going to be this week. And it's weird because, you know, Stardom and which I've been writing for like two decades, um, this is the first time ever that the start of the week and the sit of the week at the same position are teammates. So I've got Emmanuel Sanders as my start of the week because, number one, people are a little down on him after what he didn't do last week and what was a great matchup against the Chiefs, but the Jets have given up 38 catches, the second most yards to slot receivers this season. Sanders lines up in the slot about 62% of the time. They're not good against the slot. But they're really tough against wide receivers who are lined out wide, which is exactly where Demarius Thomas typically is. Right now, 
quarterbacks against the Jets have a 59.2 passer rating when they're throwing the ball to wide receivers out wide, which is why I don't like Demarius Thomas. But we have to give Demarius, uh, we'll throw him a little bit of a bone here. Case Keenum blew that throw last week. He did. He blew that throw. Absolutely. And don't tell me Demarius Thomas wasn't running hard. Come on, dude. I mean, he's not a fast guy. He was not dogging it there. Case Keenum just, had him wide, for the touchdown. Open throw. He missed. And he missed it. He just missed it. He missed it. So, but his value is certainly on the decline, and there's no question about that. I'd fade him this week. You know, so Case Keenum, one of the things that we said going into the season was, hey, man, he's got to be better than Trevor Simeon, right? And I, I guess I mean I, I, I like the, I, I like his voice that he did then too because we had to do the Cowboys thing on the show today yeah, so so Marcus than, got back into the Cowboys he's voice better than Trevor Simeon I mean right like you know so like and I guess technically he kind of has been but the one thing I feared is that we would be reminded why Case Keenum has been a career backup. That good Case Keenum stayed in Minnesota? Right. I mean, last year was, as you would say, it's, it was the magical season for him. And, yep. and he sort of caught lightning in a bottle. And I think the Broncos and a lot of us, you know, in, in, as fantasy analysts, were sort of hoping that maybe he could recapture a little bit of that. That, you know, obviously... Obviously, Sanders and Thomas are pretty good. I don't know that they're, you know, Thielen and Diggs good, but they're not bad. But right now, he looks like the same old Case Keenum who was a backup, you know, in Houston and in St. Louis and, you know, with the, you know, with the L.A. Rams and with the, you know, for the, he was the third string guy with the Vikings. Mm -hmm. They had a couple guys get hurt and that's how he got to play. And now we're remembering that, and and that's got to have an impact on on everybody else in that offense, unless he somehow becomes Minnesota Case Keenum again. You're lucky Akbar's not here. He's out in New York I doing know. the Megan Kelly show right. because he's a big fancy pants, and he's a big Case Keenum guy. So but he's a huge Case. No, I, I and Keenum's not a guy that I can play. I mean, not even in a two QB league, unless you're really hurting. I play in a couple of these two QB leagues, and trust me, man, if I've got like a third running back who's really good and it's a PPR league and I only got Case Keenum as an option uh, off the waiver wire as my quarterback, <laughs> super flex leagues, I would be benching Case Keenum all day long. Yeah, probably this week. I think you will. Uh, for the Jets, their running back situation has been sort of hard to figure out. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you, is it, Dude. Is it Powell or Crowell? I don't know. Or Powell or I, Crowell? I mean, which I, one are you going with? So, this? like, look at the numbers. I mean, 52% of the snaps for... Powell or Powell. <laughs> that, that's that's one of those weird things. Like it's not Crowell, it's Crowell. It's, it's Crowell, like, but it's Powell. Right, it's Powell and Crowell. But I, I just like calling them Powell and Crowell. Yeah, well, Powell uh, and Crowell. And the crow that'll make it easier. Forty-three ah! percent of the snaps. But then when you look at the touches, I mean, they're almost right down the middle. Forty-nine, forty-seven in favor of Bilal. Dude, if you start one of these two guys and get a good performance from it. It ain't Good skill. It ain't skill. It's luck. Good on you. It ain't skill. It's luck. Uh, I don't trust either one of them. Um, I think I've always just kind of sided with Bilal Powell, but you know, they're, they're just they're Bilal Powell weeks. They're Isaiah Crowell weeks. And then there are weeks like last week where, where there's just like nobody weeks. Nobody. Just nobody mm -hmm. weeks. Uh, Packers at Lions. Where have you gone, Jimmy Graham? <laughs> where have you? Does anybody see? I mean, he, so he scored a touchdown last week. You know, finally got in the end zone. And it was kind of early in the game. You thought, oh, maybe maybe it's going to happen. And like, no. I mean, I was I, I thought this I thought this was it. I thought this was going to be the year for Jimmy Graham. And he just he just he's been nothing in this offense. He's been invisible. It's not even like he's been like mediocre. He's just been invisible. In yeah. This and he's currently sixth in terms of targets among tight ends with 25. But this could be a good week because 
It seems like every Packers wide receiver is hurt. All of them. Like Adams is All hurt. Cobb is hurt. Uh, you know, Allison is hurt. I, I, I talked to James Jones earlier today. I said the Packers call you this week he, because they may hurt be hurting too? for wide receivers. I don't know. <laughs> so if they're down uh, two or three of those wide receivers and they've got to go with some young guys there, Jimmy Graham could see more targets in this contest. And a guy that I'm going to Aaron Jones, give him the damn ball. <laughs> Give him the ball. Last week, prove anything. This guy is the best running back in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers backed him up and said, we got to get him the ball. He's the best back we've had since Ryan Grant. He reminds him of Ryan Grant. Get him the damn ball. The Lions stink against the run. Aaron Jones is a big-time sleeper this week. And it was funny because I was talking to Cynthia Freeland last week, and I said, you know, I got a feeling Aaron Jones is going to have a good game this week. I, I, I'm not going to play him. I don't trust myself enough to start him, but I think he's going to have a good game. And he had a good game. Now I'm saying start Aaron Jones. Don't start him over your elite guys, but if you need a flex starter this week, you can do worse. The Lions stink against the run. We've seen running backs just gash them every single week, basically. So go out and start Aaron Jones with confidence. And hopefully, hopefully, we'll start to see Aaron Jones emerge as that featured back. It's been a three-headed monster. We'll see. And maybe this is the perfect storm, too, because if you've seen Green Bay missing two or three wide receivers this time Montgomery maybe go out and run some more routes which opens up the backfield for Aaron Jones a little bit because Jamal Williams certainly is not that good and one thing that I saw in pro football focus which was was very interesting to me is that Aaron Jones is their highest rated pass blocker in that backfield which and is kind of not what we've been exactly and, and if he can get the job done there I mean giddy up give him the ball yeah so about that and this this is sort of a, a you sound thing. like you're about to poo poo me. Yeah, I am. Okay. Um, this this and this is sort of a blanket thing, not just about the Packers, but about all these running back situations where we keep like begging. And I feel like at some point we're all kind of shouting into the wind, right? Because we look around, we look at Green Bay, uh, we look in Detroit. I don't know. Pick another one. Pick another one. He's like confusing. Uh, like, well, everywhere. Well, Seattle used to be. Jets, like Broncos. I mean, um, lots of confusion. And we keep backfield. shouting, you know, into the wind for like. Start, you know, player X, right? And, like, at some point, I think we just have to be resigned to the fact that, like, these coaches are just going to do what they're going to do for whatever reason. And while we might look at it and say that this guy is better than that guy, like, Mike McCarthy is going to Mike McCarthy this up. He's just he's going to do like. But if Aaron Rodgers is in his ear, you know, the gazillion-dollar quarterback in the State Farm commercials, dude, if he's in his ear... We'll see. Man, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, you know, we all we all want things. Um, <laughs> it's good to want things. This is true. It is good to want things. Um, oh, by the other side. So speaking of which, can Detroit just give carry on carry on Johnson the right? job already? Yeah, <laughs> dude. I mean, look at the look at the touches too. Like last week, only ten, right? And Legarrette seven, and they're still they're still dividing it up, right? I mean, so so far four games for Detroit. Carry on had four more touches than LeGarrette Blunt in week one. He had four more in game two. He tied him in game three and he had three more in game four. So there's not a, a large difference. There's not a large gap in between touches. And even after carry on had the hundred yard game, first one for the Lions running back since Thanksgiving of 2013, the gap didn't increase much. It was three. And, and you, know, you know, I get it, you know, with, with, with that contest there. Um, you know, the, the Lions threw the ball with a lot of success, especially to Golden Tate. So they didn't they didn't run it as much as maybe we would hope. But I mean, carry on's clearly the best guy that they got in that backfield this week. Not a great matchup against the Packers either. And, you know, you worry about game script. You know, the Packers maybe get ahead, although depending on what happens with their wide receivers, maybe that's not the case. But you're right. Give him the ball, man. Yeah, imagine if fantasy owners like were, were head coaches. Life would be so good. 
We, we'd never have a back <laughs> ever. Just well, first off, Julio Jones would have all of the touchdowns. Yes, just just <laughs> give the ball to one guy, and that's it. The best guy here, Aaron Jones, have 20 carries. I mean, I mean, but we're, is, we're just lowly fans. It is the so. just give it to your good players theory. Yeah, I mean. Nope. Uh, Who knows? It seems to you know be smart. You would think so. No. Ravens at Browns. Uh, look, I have been all about the flaconnaissance, and it, you know, it, takes, it, it, it goes for like a week or two, then it takes a week off. Mm-hmm. Um, on the road in Cleveland against the Browns defense that the last few weeks has not really been as tough as it was the first couple of weeks. So maybe it's game on for Joe Flacco this week. I have him as a sit, actually. Okay. Um, I do have him as a sit. He's had a nice start to the season. 17-plus uh, points in three of his first four games, although getting 17 now or 18 from a quarterback is, is not really I mean, that good. I mean, that used to be a pretty good week, but not anymore. Now it's like 20. Now you, like, you have to get like, like 20 is like your floor. If you didn't get 20. A couple of weeks ago, Phil you know, Rivers scored 21. It was like QB 12. Dude, Mahomes, was, <laughs> like, Mahomes had 22 this week. He was 12. Right. You know, like. Right. So, but the Browns, uh, they've held Flacco to fewer than 16 and a half fantasy points in six of their last eight home games. And Marcus knows I love to look at those trends. You know, they're fun. So, in what I think could end up being a lower scoring game, I would fade Flacco. I don't like Mayfield this week either. Uh, yeah, Mayfield, I, I think I'd stay away from. By the way, I, we're just sort of doomed to a life of Buck Allen, aren't we? Like, well. <laughs> if, Alex, if Alex Collins could hold on to the football, he would be their guy. But he, he'll run well, he'll do some things, and then he'll get near the goal line, and he'll cough it up, and then we see Buck Allen get, like, the next 10 carries in a row. It's yeah. frustrating. Yeah, uh, Harbaugh doesn't want us to have nice things. In Apparently not. That's for sure. But thanks, uh, Alex Collins did pop up on the uh, injury report this week. Now, the last thing that we've heard from our Tom Pelissero uh, is that Collins's absence from Thursday's practice was, quote, precautionary. So keep tabs on his status. But if for some reason or another Collins can't go this week, then Buck Allen, Marcus's favorite USC product, yeah. could end up being a potential flex starter. I mean, look, Buck, I love you. Fight on forever. But, man, break a tackle one time. Just <laughs> once. But you know what? I thought of you when I was watching uh, the game last week. He had one run, and you'll remember it, where he carried, like, three Steelers on his back. Yeah, that was kind of wild. And I'm like, he's not breaking tackles, but he's carrying, like, three dudes on him. I'm like, man, who is that dude wearing so, the Buck Allen jersey? Right, yeah. That was, that was crazy. Nice. Uh, so Nick Chubb had a big week last week. Had played three snaps, had three carries. And led the Browns in rushing. That was, like, 105 <laughs> yards and two touchdowns. Now, mind you, if you take away the two big, long touchdown runs, he just had one carry for one yard, so obviously <laughs> he sucks. Um <laughs> This week, Hugh Jackson has said he wants to get Nick Chubb the ball more, and he's got to get more opportunities. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying you rush Nick Chubb into your lineup because, again, most of that came on two really big runs, and that's a sort of that's a hard way to live. But it does make me worried that we're going to start to see the beginning of the end of of Carlos Hyde as the back who's dominating the touches in that backfield. That's he, what worries me. I mean, Nick Chubb is worth like a speculative ad. I mean, when you look at all the numbers right now, I mean, Carlos Hyde's got 87 touches and Chubb has 10. You know, Duke Johnson's in there, too, with 21. You know, the snap count heavily favors Carlos Hyde. And Marcus, you know better than to believe anything Hugh Jackson says. This is true. He said Tyron Taylor was going to be the this quarterback. Was he was going to be the quarterback. Well, I mean, he was until he wasn't. But <laughs> this, this is true. He lasted uh, a couple of games and, and that was it. So, um, yeah, I'm speculative ad for me. And, the, and, and that's it. Uh, Carlos Hyde is... He, he's been fine for fantasy owners in that backfield. They're not using Duke Johnson at all, despite paying him in the offseason. So unless I see a major turn into that sort of 
Nick Chubb, Carlos Hyde, potential backfield committee. Um, he, he's not worth picking up unless it's just to stash him and see what happens. I mean, I, think, I know a lot of people kind of you know took dart dart throws at him late in drafts, yep. and, and it hasn't paid off yet. I'm, I'm just I want to keep an eye on that one. I just yeah. want to keep an eye and see how this goes in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Giants at Panthers. Is this finally the Odell week? Is this finally the Odell week? I mean, the matchup wouldn't suggest it. Uh, Carolina, you know, Carolina defense at home. Um, I, one guy I don't like this week is Sterling Shepard, and, and that's another. Right. What do you mean? He's had twenty plus fantasy points yeah, in, in I'd two stay straight away from games. Him this week. Okay. Now, if you actually rolled those points over, it's not like you know cell phone minutes. If you rolled those points over into the following <laughs> week, then yeah, then I'd start Sterling Shepard. That that's not the case. Sterling Shepard uh, is is got a bad matchup. You look at what the Panthers have done to slot receivers so far this season. They have been very tough. Now back to OBJ. And and it's funny, too, because, like, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people on Twitter who are asking me, should I trade Odell Beckham Jr. for wide receiver X or should I trade Odell Beckham Jr. for wide for running back X? I mean, right now, I mean, yeah, if you trade him to me, sure. Right. I, I still have no problem. I mean, the target's still there. He's still getting the catches. Um, you know, you, you know about, you know, depth of target, you know, that that's sort of been a bit of an issue. You know, maybe it's Elijah. What's his middle name? Uh, Elijah Nelson. Man. There you go. See, this time he had my back. He knew it. <laughs> Elijah Nelson. I don't know. Maybe that arm just ain't what it used to be uh, back in, when he was in his 20s. But I, I still feel like OBJ is a very hard player to trade away. And I do believe that he will bounce back. But again, I said this on the last podcast or last week. Like you, you couldn't expect him to be guaranteed double digit touchdowns when Saquon Barkley is added to this offense. He just can't. I mean, the, the, the Giants didn't have a running game last year, you know, and I get OBJ is awesome and he's talented and he's one of the most fun wide receivers in the league to watch. But I mean, the Giants offense changed a little bit. You know, Shermer comes in, new system, and they have this elite running back that they took at the top of the draft and he's going to get his touches. And Saquon Barkley is getting a ton of touches. So I don't expect a huge game from OBJ, but I expect him to be startable every single week, just like he's always been ever since he's come into this league. But you do have to temper your expectations because this is a different sort of Giants offense that we're seeing. And OBJ has no longer been the focal point. Maybe he will be at some point. But right now, uh, the best fantasy player in Big Blue is Saquon. Right, but and I, but I wonder about that. So, like... How long is that sustainable, though, right? Because, yeah. yeah, sure, sure, they spent the second overall pick on him, and, and maybe there is some desire in the Giants' front office to try and prove everybody wrong and saying that they were, you know, it was okay for us to take a running back at number two, like, you know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Um, but if this offense is still bad, and if it's still, you know, dragging up the rear in terms of the NFL, and this team continues to lose football games, I mean, the Giants right now are one, they're a bad one in three. They're a really bad one in three. Mm-hmm. And at some point, it just can't be sustainable for them to keep feeding Saquon Barkley at the expense of not moving the football. And you go back to last year, you know, everybody talked about how great Shermer was with that offense in Minnesota. They still found ways to get the ball downfield to their playmakers. Maybe part of it is that because they lost Dalvin Cook early in the season, they had to sort of change things up. Like, who knows? Maybe if Dalvin Cook stays there all year, maybe that offense gets bogged down and clogged up because they're trying to get their running back going at the expense of Thielen and Diggs. But when he was gone, they found new ways to do it. And I just wonder if this thing keeps up, 
at some point, do you go back and look and you say, hey, look, that, that dude that wears number 13 really makes this thing go. Let's get him the football in as many mm-hmm. possible ways. I also think that this week, Eli has seen a lot and heard a lot about how he's missed some throws downfield, about how there have been you know, guys open well downfield that he hasn't thrown to because he's decided to check it down to Saquon. Maybe he starts to force some things. I don't know, but I just, I just don't think this is. And I don't know, Eddie, get in here because you are, a, you are a residence Giants fan here. Unfortunately, like, yeah. It's just <laughs> look. I know everybody wants Saquon to be great, and I know his talent is certainly outstanding. But I just feel like they can't, they can't keep doing this over and over again if their offense isn't going to be productive. Well, I read a couple interesting things that I never even noticed, and I've watched every sad minute ever of uh, <laughs> of the, those games so far. He's never ran the ball three times in a row. And there were stretches. There was a stretch last um, in last game versus the Saints where Wayne Gallman was in for eight straight snaps, which is weird. So like they're using him a lot in the checkdown role, but they're also really not pounding the rock with him. And then ha- and then drafting guys second overall, and then you put Wayne Gallman and who ends up fumbling, which kind of changed the tide of that game because there was a point where it was very close. I mean, mm-hmm. at halftime it was close, uh, but it's also funny with that Wayne Gallman fumble. The original play call was throwing the ball downfield, and I think Eli, like you said, Marcus, he's just looking to. to Check the ball down. His like our his the the yards in the air for his ball. I think is like third in the league now, third worst. Uh, and there were opportunities for him to make good throws last week with the the line who. They're not great, but they blocked better than they have uh, in the in the previous games versus Jacksonville and uh, and versus the Cowboys. So. Uh, like yes, the offense line is pretty poor. I know like PFF only ranked two of their linemen uh, in the seventies. Everyone else is sixty or below, which is pretty harsh. Right. But there's something up with him, Eli too. With just his, I don't know if it's his age, him being just shell shocked of being hit so much that he's just not. The offense is just suffering tremendously. And also, I think because the offense line is bad, you're not going to get a ton of rushing yards from Saquon. It's just a really bad mix And you're not right going to get a lot of time to throw the football downfield so Odell Beckham can make plays in the vertical passing game. I hope so. I mean, I think that, that's been an issue. Yeah, because he because he's afraid to stand in the pocket and make that 20 plus yard throw on the field. He's, he doesn't want to, you know, do any of those strikes where he's he's hitting uh, uh, Odell in the vertical route. So it's it's just been a really ugly, boring offense to watch. I mean, they have not scored 30 points since 2015 and it's uh, currently 2018. So. And he'll be facing James Bradbury, I believe, this week. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how that matchup goes. I'm just looking at the schedule here. You got Philly. At Atlanta, so he should get healthy there. Uh, Washington, then a bye, then at Niners, Tampa Bay, two good matchups in a row. At Philly, at Ch- uh, then at home against Chicago, that's a tough one. He's actually got a really tough stretch in the at the end of the season where he's got at Philly, then he's got the Bears, and then at Redskins, Titans, and then at Colts in the Fantasy Championship Week. So if Odell Beckham Jr. maybe turns it around midseason – he could be a guy that you may be trying to, to deal uh, once we so, get into the fantasy playoffs for something real big. He's so, been getting targets. something just, real he's big. He's just not scoring. Like, he's caught, I think, two games he's had so far, 11 catches and nine catches. Like, he's getting the, the ball. He's getting but, targeted, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, he's he's not producing a whole, a whole lot in terms of uh, making plays downfield. And, you know, what do we think when we think of Odo Beckham Jr.? These ridiculous circus catches, Eli's throwing the football deep and he's coming in and having uh, putting up uh, huge numbers. And and that just hasn't been the case overall. He's still seeing a lot of targets. His yardage is still there, but it's it's not equating into touchdowns. So not this is not a fantasy question. This is just an actual football question. Right. If this team continues to be bad and we get, you know, we get to Thanksgiving or whatever and they're kind of out of it. We get to December and they're, you know, they're out of the playoff race. Do we see Kyle Lalletta 
Oh man, yeah, they should be one hundred percent. They should. I'm totally on that train, and I've read a lot of stuff about Loletta and like teams, the scouting departments, their analytics departments. They rated this guy like he was the equivalent on their charts to like a Tony Romo or a Jimmy G. Uh, obviously, he might not amount to that, but uh, that just hearing that alone is pretty good. Uh, I would be all for him. The one thing again that going back to the offensive line would would scare me is that he would come in and get killed as well. Uh, whereas I almost just rather Eli just take the brunt of that hit. Uh, but I definitely think the Giants will be in the market for either drafting quarterback right. like Harper would be a great move. As a Giants fan, are you disappointed that they didn't draft a quarterback? Not even in, not remotely. Oh no, I'm so no, I know you, you. You have you have, defined, you have waved the flag so for many Saquon. times. Yeah. Saquon, because this year's draft, if you look at the draft, it's heavy, heavy D line, which the Giants really don't need. They're not going to take Ed Oliver or Bosa, whoever, Rashawn Gary. They're going to take a quarterback, and no team is going to end up worse than them in record wise. I as my prediction will want will need a quarterback because most of the NFL has a relatively okay quarterback, so that they can they could end up taking you know Herbert fifth, sixth, seventh overall, and then you have the best running back who, who you know who's come out in quite some time, and I think you know Saquon's showing that. So I rather would have Saquon plus the quarterback from this year, uh, this upcoming draft, than maybe a Darnold and then whoever they could take uh, in this one. So I'm totally fine with that, and I think you have a young quarterback with Saquon. OBJ, uh, Evan Ingram, Shepard, that's a much, much better offense. And obviously the offensive line needs a, you know, three, four other pieces, but that's just along the process. So this is my last point on this, and we'll, we'll move on. This is more Giants talk than I had planned on. But <laughs> I would say at some point, I think you got to play Laletta just because Eli is, is 37 going on 38. He's got two years left on his contract, arguably two years left in his NFL career. Um, and even if, if you're not drafting a quarterback next year, which I understand – you, I think you just got to see what you've got, just totally. because you can't you can't have Eli totally. just dragging that arm through another season Dude, again next year. The Saints don't have top end pass rushers. I mean, and they beat the Texans, who have arguably the two of the better ones. And I don't know how that even happened. But like I said, like if you're if Eli's getting time, you got to make those throws downfield. If he's not doing it, then maybe the problem actually is him. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Dolphins at Bengals. Um, what I was going to drop an expletive here. What are they doing with Kenyon Drake? What is Adam? What are you doing, Adam Gaze? <laughs> what are you doing? You know, we yeah. we have a lifeline to Adam Gaze, right? I mean, Cynthia Freeland uh, is has a connection to Adam. We should just get her on the phone and, and like have her ask Adam, like, what are you doing? What are you doing with Kenyon Drake? It doesn't make any sense. Somehow I feel like he's not going to listen to us. Probably not. And look, and I don't even listen have, to Cynthia, but I don't, I don't listen. And to I don't her. even have Kenyon. I didn't draft Kenyon Drake anywhere, but yeah, because I just I. I mean, I was kind of worried. I was worried that Frank Gore was sort of eaten to his touches. I didn't yep. just think that Adam Gase was just going to not give him the football. Yeah, and in terms of the snaps, I mean, it's 62% to 39%, but then you look at the touches, Frank Gore has five fewer touches than Kenyon Drake. Five. This guy's 258 years old in running back years, <laughs> and he's got five fewer touches than a guy who went nuts in the second half of last season, was averaging right around 21 touches a game. He was a league winner from a fantasy standpoint. And this is what I feared. I have one share of Kenyon Drake. It's in a best ball league. And because I, I like the explosive component to his game where he can maybe put up a huge number, but they are not giving him the football. You've got Cincinnati this weekend. I say he's no more than a low-end RB2, maybe a high-end flex starter. And that's it. That is it. He has been a massive disappointment. But again, I didn't like him coming into this season. Drake has never been a featured back. Like he was a featured back almost because he had to be in the second half of last season because the Dolphins were, were were no longer with the JHI. He he was he was traded, 
and Damian Williams was hurt as well. So they didn't have anybody. I mean, they didn't have anybody, and they gave him the ball, and they fed him the ball. It was the first time, really, he's been a featured back. You know, in college, at uh, Alabama, of course, Derrick Henry was there as well. But Kenyon Drake just, he doesn't fit the profile, and I guess Adam Gase agrees with that because he is not getting enough touches to make him fantasy relevant uh, or or even a guy that, that you can potentially start with any kind of confidence right now. He, he clearly is... Uh, a risk-reward RB2 flex starter. He is not what we thought, a lot of people thought, that he could have been coming off of what he did last season. I mean, I still look at it, but his first, his first couple of weeks weren't, weren't bad, I mean, for what they wanted. Part of it is that the Dolphins just don't run any plays on offense. And they got crushed think, last week. I think they are running the fewest plays per yeah. game mm-hmm. on offense. I am starting to be of the opinion, although also that in today's NFL, and I know we talk a lot about game script, and in some ways it, it does have an impact, but I would think with the way the NFL is today and the way offenses operate, game script is less of an issue because if you can't, even if you can't run the ball, you can still throw the ball to your running backs because so many running backs are so much involved in the passing game, and it's hard. You have to be a really special runner to get on the field if you can't catch the ball. You've got to be Jordan Howard, and even he's catching it more. You've got to be Adrian Peterson in his prime. Uh, you've got to be, I can't even think of anybody else who just is just strictly a runner that is any any kinds of effective. So I just, I'm starting to think, like, it's just, it's just coaches' poor scheming. Like, pro tip, just because a guy's an NFL head coach doesn't mean he's smarter than you at football, <laughs> right? I mean, let's just be honest about that because we all seem to think that just because somebody gets a coaching job in the NFL that, you know, be, obviously they spend more time studying it probably than the average person, doesn't mean they're smarter at it than you. And sometimes they make bad decisions. And you just have to wonder what on earth – Adam Gaze and the Dolphins are doing because Kenyon Drake's just not getting the football. Uh, I see you right here. A.J. Green versus Xavier Howard, which is kind of an interesting matchup this week. Yeah, it is. Uh, no question about that. I mean, Howard uh, has sort of gotten himself in into the, the, the news in, in terms of fantasy football because he's played well. I'm not telling you that A.J. Green is not a start this week. Maybe there's more targets funneled to Tyler Boyd, although I can't see how there would be. I mean, this guy is getting targeted a ton. He is playing uh, some great football right now. But the Bengals' offense is suddenly very fantasy-friendly, whereas last year, not so much. Andy Dalton now is a startable asset in fantasy. Obviously, A.J. Green. Tyler Boyd is now a startable asset in fantasy. Joe Mixon or Gio Bernard, whoever the running back is, is clearly a startable asset in fantasy. And one player who is a really deep sleeper, okay? He's a really deep sleeper, and I can't pronounce his last name. I tried to do it on the show today, and I butchered it. You tell me. This is how it's pronounced. CJ? Uzama. 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 Yep. Just, Tyler Eifert, just, just, out for the season. If we you're know. searching for him, just type in UZO, and yes. you'll find him. CJ Uzama. <laughs> and if you're hurting at tight end, and so many of us are, he's worth a look. And, and this is what we've come to. I mean, in my column, I have... Jeff Swayman there, man. We are literally spinning the wheel. I mean, yeah. So, but the Bengals offense, and we thought it was going to be better because it couldn't be worse than it was last year with the additions of the offensive line, with Joe Mixon being the featured back, with the emergence of Tyler Boyd, this offense has become really, really good. I would not play the Miami Dolphins defense this week. First two weeks, they had 13 points in both weeks. Looked really good. Uh, I would not touch them with a 10-foot pole. If I'm talking about Dolphins in this game, I like Kenny Stills, and I wouldn't play Ryan Tannehill. You're obviously going to be playing Kenyon Draker. Maybe it's not obvious. Maybe you have some backfield depth. But if you look at the numbers right now with Kenny Stills, I mean, the Bengals have given up the fifth most yards and five touchdowns to wide receivers who line out wide, which is where Stills sees around 60% of his of his routes. So 
he's a... I don't know if he's under the radar, but I do think he's a decent play as a flex starter this week. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I don't know. If you can sit Kenyon Drake, sit Kenyon Drake. If you've got help somewhere else, I, would, I just don't want that headache anymore. I'm done with it. Have you ever looked at your credit card statement and been shocked by the interest rate? Yes. Uh, sure. Lots of people. Like, barely. Every month. There you go. Well, did you know that you could actually roll all of your credit card debt into one monthly payment at a lower fixed interest rate? Lightstream offers credit card consolidation loans from 5.89% APR with auto pay. That's lower than the average credit card interest rate of over 18% APR. Get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000. You can even get your funds as soon as the day you apply because Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a great interest rate and no fees. And now our listeners can get a special discount on top of Lightstream's already low rates. Only way to get this discount is to go to Lightstream.com slash NFL. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash NFL. Subject to credit approval. Rate includes 0.5% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit Lightstream.com slash NFL for more information. All right. We are going through week five here on the podcast. Uh, we have moved on to Raiders and Chargers. Uh, maybe the, the most telling thing about this game, and I saw a tweet about this, <laughs> First off, I, I can't wait for years from now when a book is written or the, the oral history of the L.A. Chargers move is written, is, is discussed. Uh, I saw a tweet that says the Chargers are pumping in crowd noise to get ready for what's going to happen when the Raiders. Yeah, I know. This is a home game. Dude. This is a home game. It's going to be so many Raiders fans there. It's crazy. They're pumping in crowd noise in practice to simulate what's going to happen on their own home field. Soccer field. Mm-hmm. This is like when people were saying, oh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, playing in Denver. This is not his first road game. Dude, one of his road games was in L.A. playing the Chargers with half the stadium full of Chiefs fans. The, the Chargers have a home field disadvantage and it will come to fruition this week when the, the silver and black come to town. Because I would still argue, although maybe the Rams are catching up, most of the people in Los Angeles who are football fans root for the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, the Raiders well, so Look for for anybody who's listening to this podcast who doesn't live in Los Angeles. What happened is, and, and I I first moved to LA the last year of the Raiders and Rams. I was a freshman in college then when they left, and you know people the Rams had a following. You know the Raiders had a, a following, obviously. But what you had was a whole generation of fans who grew up here without a football team. I mean, it was 20 years that the NFL was gone. So you have a whole generation of kids who were born and grew up here without having a local football team. What happens is a lot of them became Raider fans. A lot of them became 49er fans. Uh, I mean, San Diego is it's closer than the Bay Area, but it's also a completely different region. I mean, it is, is completely apart from L.A. So now there are still Rams fans. There are a lot of Raiders fans. There are 49er fans. And when the Chargers announced that they were moving to Los Angeles, the general attitude was like, Huh. Okay. That was kind of pretty much how LA reacted to that. So, like, they haven't really gained that following, uh, even though they've been a, a competitive team the last couple of years. But anyway, that's neither here nor there right now. What is here or there is can you trust the Raiders' passing game this week? Man, it's tough to trust it. Even against the Chargers, you know, like the Raiders are sort of a team that's hard to predict one week to the next. I will tell you this I got these stats. Uh, from Pro Football Focus, my pal Jeff Ratcliffe over there. Uh, Amari Cooper, two games last year against the L.A. Chargers, was shadowed by Casey Hayward more than 75% of the time. And when he was shadowed by Hayward, he had two catches for 18 yards on just five targets combined. 
So as good as Amari Cooper was last that week, bad. you have to sort of factor in that, you know, Hayward really knows how to shut this guy down. Derek Henry, uh, Derek Carr last last week, nice stat line. Yeah. Good stat line. But, you know, some of these games, Marcus, like, they just go off the rails. And that was one of the games that just went off the rails. I mean, the points were ridiculous. I mean, the Browns defense was supposed to be better uh, than it showed. But it was one of those games where, and it was like Minnesota and Los Angeles, too, just it didn't matter who was playing defense because no one's playing defense. The offenses were just dominating every single aspect of those games. And so... I'm not expecting the same kind of thing to happen. I think this could be a high-scoring game. I really like Marshawn Lynch in this game. I mean, Jared Cook. I mean, dude, like... I, I like Jordy Nelson this week. Yeah. I think this is... A no, I, I, th- I think Jordy Nelson could actually outscore uh, Amari Cooper in PPR points. But, I mean, Jared freaking Cooper. Uh, Jared Jared uh, uh, Cook, man. I God darn it. I, I don't know how to predict this guy. I really don't. Jared Cook is the... Fan- he's, he's not the fantasy hero we... Tight end hero we want. He's the fantasy tight end yeah. hero we need. I mean... I have had years of crapping on him, telling people, dude, he is not going to be that good. He's always disappointing. And I went into this season saying the same thing because it's happened. Of course. Every single year. And this year so far, the number one tight end in fantasy football. Well, (laughs) like it is ridiculous. I mean, I'm at a point where I think you start him every week. He's had a minimum of four catches every single week. Um and it might not always be great. Like, obviously, you're not going to get, you know, the huge blow-up numbers from him every single week. But if you look at, like, week-to-week scoring, right, to be a top-10 fantasy tight end... Yeah, it doesn't take that much. doesn't take that much. Like, eight, last week, it was Cameron Bright. He had 8.9 points, right? So if you're figuring PPR, right, a four-catch, 49-yard game... That's 8.9 points. It's insane. It's not great, but it's yeah. good enough to be a top 10 tight end. And yep. so if, if Jerry Cook is still getting you four to five catches every week, I mean, if that baseline is right around eight fantasy points in PPR, start him. Mm-hmm. Just start him. Yep. So uh, are you sitting any chargers? Um, let's see here. Caleb Sturgis kind of burned me last week. Uh, I'm, j- I'm joking. Yeah, yeah. Well, I actually still would play him. I think he could be a top ten kicker, but he did burn me a little. Charger bit. kickers, man. Yeah, I know, dude. They're like cursed. Charger um, kickers, uh, Chargers defense. I'm, I'm certainly not playing. And I'm, I'm not playing Antonio Gates either. I know it's Raiders and you know matchup, but he's just not on the field enough. Look, I mean, he's man. not running enough routes for me to trust him to start him. Even you know when the matchup is favorable, uh, Virgil Green's on the on the field more than Antonio Gates right now. You're looking at the numbers. I mean, Gates is seeing 34 percent of the snaps. He's averaging 16 routes a game. It's just not enough for me to start him. This is not the old Antonio Gates. It's no. just old Antonio Gates. Yeah, exactly. That's it. So exactly. Uh, Cardinals at 49ers. I'm telling you, David Johnson is back. He's okay. back. I, I said it so. last week. I thought last week. I just thought Josh Rosen adds something to this offense because he's, he literally has some of that Jay Cutler, like, screw it, I'm going deep attitude. <laughs> because, look, that's what he did at UCLA. He's like, you know, I don't necessarily have consistent playmakers, but I'm going to try to get chunk plays down the field, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to f- make some of these throws that maybe I shouldn't, but it'll probably work out. David Johnson's best asset was being a downfield receiver. That is where he was most dangerous a couple of years ago. Uh, and we saw last week he had over 100 scrimmage yards. He got in the end zone. He started to look more like himself. Mm-hmm. This week he's got the 49ers, who defensively are not particularly great. I think we just see more of this. I think you know if you waited it out and you struggled through those first three or four weeks with, with David Johnson, he can start to exhale. And, and look, it's... He's not going to be what he was two years ago, right? You're not going to get the 20 touchdowns and the ridiculous amount of yards. But 
I think he starts to bounce back a little bit. I think Let, he's going to be better. Let's hope so. And uh, the transition over from San Bradford to Josh Rosen, uh, it, it didn't go well for Rosen statistically. Um, but, you know, David Johnson, he got more touches. And that's what we need. We need more touches. We need the football in David Johnson's hands. And I think we'll see that. Um, and this, this game shouldn't be a game script issue either, too. This should be uh, a close game, a pretty competitive game. Now, the other main fantasy player in Arizona is Larry Fitzgerald. And he just can't be healthy. Larry Fitzgerald is too good to be doing what he's doing on the field right now. He's dealing with the hamstring. And until he starts to look healthy, it's hard to play him, even against the Niners. And career-wise, he has crushed San Francisco. He's crushed them. I have a hard time starting him right now. I really do, especially with so many good young wide receivers who are starting to merge, you know, like a Tyler Boyd, for example. I, I can't play Larry Fitzgerald this week. Larry Fitzgerald in the uh, season opener had 76 receiving yards. In the three games since, he has had 65 mm -hmm. He's not right. He the, something's. Yeah. He, he's not healthy. He had two catches for nine yards. He's, the he's not healthy. Yeah, uh, man. So I can't play him <laughs> until I start to see some signs of life, man. I just can't do it. And uh, um, San Francisco, though, that they, they've got they've got two players that that are very startable this week. You know, George Kittle, who mm -hmm. huge game last week. Hey, man, narrative huge. narrative street. Yeah, he and uh, yep. CJ Beathard were roommates at Iowa, so exactly. obviously it's all good. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, you, you look at the numbers too. You know, this guy is being targeted more than all but four tight ends in the entire league, and one of them is Eric Ebron, believe it or not. But Kittle's a play for me uh, as a low-end tight end one. And then Matt Breida yeah. going up against the Cardinals, who have been just dreadful against the run. Ask anyone who watched what Mike Davis did to them, and it, it will be obvious that Breida is maybe not a must-start, but he's a damn good start. Yeah, I, you know, those are two guys who, again, I, I've been saying all week, their floor remained kind of, kind of, kind of static. I mean, nothing really changed for them when the quarterbacks changed. I think mostly because they are two easy security blankets for a guy like C.J. Beathard. You can dump it off to your running back. You can get it out quick to your tight end. And so those guys kind of remain the same. Now, where the volatility happens is Marquise Goodwin. Suddenly, all those downfield throws that Garoppolo was going to make go away a little bit. So he becomes a guy who is a lot harder to play. And Pierre Garçon has sort of been a mystery. Uh, yeah, I mean, you would think that his value would have increased with, you know, Goodwin being banged up and no, I mean, yeah, it's nothing, just, yeah, nothing, 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 nothing has happened with Pierre Garcon. He's just, he's just kind of been out there, you know, weirdly. Uh, I mean, so you, you made your desperation pick, uh, earlier when you talked about, uh, very desperate. So maybe this isn't quite desperate on that level, but in a PPR, Kyle Juszczyk is sort of interesting. Mm. Um, you know, he eight catches, 122 yards. I mean, he's running wheel routes, and and you know, he he has one receiving touchdown this year. Uh, if you are if you are really really hurting, if you're in a deep league and you need a, a flex or something like that, uh, Kyle Juszczyk. I mean, it, it was a guy that the Niners last year used a little bit in the passing game. We've seen him, uh, especially in the red zone in his career, be a guy who gets some opportunities. I mean, we we saw that when he was with the Ravens for a few years, they would use him kind down near the goal line to catch the ball he had four receiving touchdowns in 2015 so mm. um you know again if you are hurting in a ppr league yeah maybe maybe you try Kyle which Uchek. one is more desperate uh <laughs> Kyle, know, it's, it's kind of it's kind of a kind of a toss-up so yeah. uh vikings at eagles is it possible that maybe the vikings defense isn't good 
possible. It's it's actual reality. I mean, like, it's like it's reality right now. I'm I'm so I'm I've tried to tell myself a story where of a lovely lady. Uh, you no, <laughs> who was uh, who was bringing up three very lovely girls? Um, so you know, obviously the week the week one game against the 49ers, they weren't bad. You know, like the Niners got some garbage time points at the end. Um, but it, you know, it, it they they played all right there. Week two, they played the Packers, and like yeah, I mean it was okay. They weren't they weren't terrible, but you know, Rodgers was less than a hundred percent and was kind of hobbling around on that knee. So I told myself a story that week three happened against the Bills because they were looking ahead to week four, right? Like they weren't really focused on the Bills. They were worried about right. the Rams the next week and they sort of got ambushed. So I'm like, all right, so I can, I can kind of wave that one away. Then the Rams happened and they got trucked, yeah, right? Dude. And I'm, but I'm trying to tell myself the story that maybe it's not that the Vikings are bad. Maybe the Rams are really just that good, but... Man, it is hard to wipe away. They gave up 456 mm-hmm. passing yards. They're giving altogether. up 27 and a half points a game. I mean, that's, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to tell myself this story, but man, and, and you don't play that defense. Now, it's funny how those defensive values can change quickly in fantasy football. Like the Vikings were expected to be one of the better defenses in fantasy. And so far, dude, I've seen them dropped in a lot of leagues and, and I wouldn't play them this week against the Eagles, too. I think the Eagles offense is starting to come around. You know, Carson Wentz got some starts under his belt now. They got Alshon Jeffrey back. Nelson Aguilar's in the mix. Zach Ertz is in the mix. Their running game is questionable because, uh, well, they've got some some injuries there with Corey Clement and Darren Sproles and J.J. He's, he's been okay. He hasn't been great. But I think the Eagles offense is, is going to very soon here, maybe it's, maybe it's uh, you know, this week is going to start showing that this is this is one of the better offenses in the league, and even against the Vikings, I think Carson Wentz can have a pretty good game. This could end up being maybe a higher scoring game than we sort of anticipated, although the Eagles have certainly been better at home defensively than they have been on the road. But this could end up being one of those you know weird high scoring games uh, between two teams that came into the season where we thought you know hey their defenses are going to be pretty good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Eagles, uh, the Eagles defense has has left something to be desired this week. Mm-hmm. So you sort of answered my question. My next question was going to be: Is it possible that the Eagles offense isn't that good because they have kind of sputtered around the first few weeks? But yeah, I think I think they're going to be better. I, I they're getting you know, I mean, Nick Foles, you know, the first couple. I, I think Carson Wentz is is going to get back into his groove. You know, he's clearly got that nice rapport with with Ertz and, and with Alshon. So uh, th- this offense will certainly turn things around. I think they're starting to turn things around. Uh, Rams at Seahawks. Now, yeah. I know I know you you have said that you know there's no such thing as a must start at quarterbacks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but can we start to put Jared Goff into that box with the you know the Mahomes, the Breeze, the Rodgers, like those guys where when you you just look at it and you kind of fake you don't really worry about the matchup so much. You just believe in in what that guy is doing. Has Jared Goff hit that level yet? Well, I don't know if I'm starting him against the Jaguars in Jacksonville, um, but he has become a guy where he's he's not matchup proof, but he he's he's are getting you, close. Are you starting him against the uh, the Seahawks in Seattle? Oh yeah, okay. yeah, because the for, forget about what you know about the Seahawks, especially uh, on their home field. Hell, they've been so good for so many years. The Legion of Boom is dead. They're, they're it is, done. It is done. And this defense is completely different. And I get it. You know, they got the 12th man. They've got a home field advantage. It's very loud there in Seattle. But Jared Goff and that offense can make those make those cheers go away very, very quickly. The 12th man ain't tackled nobody this year. This is true. And, and with Russell Wilson and that offense playing like it is, and it's not good right now, 
Um, I do believe Jared Goff is a guy you're playing. You're playing all your Rams this week, and you're playing all your Rams until further notice. You're playing Cup, you're playing Woods, you're playing Gurley, obviously. Uh, you're playing Cooks, obviously. And Goff has become, again, not a must-start, but a very good start. When you look at the numbers, I mean, if, if there was if there was ever a season and I get it, we're only through four weeks. If there was ever a season that proves that you don't need to draft a quarterback until late, I mean, this is it, dude. Right now, your top quarterback is Patrick Mahomes, who was 10th round or later. Matt Ryan, 10th round or later. Ryan Fitzpatrick, not drafted. Jared Goff, 10th round or later. Breeze, I mean, he still went off the board late. Cousins, 8th or ninth round. Phillip Rivers, 10th round or later. Okay, then one of the quote-unquote elite quarterbacks coming into the season, Deshaun Watson, falls there. And then you've got... Ben Roethlisberger, 10th round or later. Andy Dalton, 10th round or later. Andrew Luck, 10th round or later. Blake Portals, 10th round or later. <laughs> it's like, and, and you know who I didn't mention there? Hmm. Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, so. Tom Brady? I am. Russell Wilson? I'm starting to think really differently about quarterbacks in general. And I should make notes on these so we can talk about all this stuff like later on. But <laughs> I mean, one, I'm thinking either maybe next year I just don't draft a quarterback and I just wait and see who's on the waiver wire when mm-hmm. it's all said and done. Or. Because of the way the rules are in this league, right? And if they're going to really throw flags on every time you get within, you know, the area code of a quarterback, we got to maybe look as an industry at changing quarterback scoring. Because if because so we sat here and talked about the fact that scoring twenty one points makes you the QB twelve in a week, like yeah. Maybe we got to figure out some way to kind of tighten things up. If guys, like if we're going to go out, because we've had a guy score forty points every single, week. and this is why. Standard is four points for passing right, so touchdowns. Like, I was really because bad. we tried to get sort of the, you know the, the advantage away from the quarterbacks right. at least somewhat. Because I was starting, I was starting to lean toward maybe we should all go six four, and I'm like, maybe Hell not. No. So maybe so my other thing that I was thinking about one night when I was kind of loopy and not sleeping much, maybe we go four three. <laughs> See, like maybe it's four three. Maybe it's 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 four for a touchdown and three for an interception. So that way, throwing multiple picks kind of hurts a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And like you know, if I mean, literally, if guys are gonna go out and throw five six touchdowns every single week, um, I mean, we just gotta do something because this is. I mean, it's it's fun on the one hand, but it's also kind of just skewed things way out of way. Yeah, I think we see what happens this year, um, and and then next season we see if it's an outlier. Right. So I just think and then you make a decision on, wow, we're going real arena football here. Quarterbacks are just way too valuable, which is odd to think quarterbacks are way too valuable because no one's drafting them. But they're valuable in that there are so many good ones and they can really help you. I mean, heck, last week I had Russell Wilson going in one of my leagues and he absolutely killed me. But if I started Blake Bortles or Andy Dalton or, or Jared Goff, I mean, I'm in a much better situation. There are no must start quarterbacks anymore. Right. I mean, it's just not. But I think I think that also is part of it. When there, when there's no wrong answers at a position, that means something is weird, mm-hmm. right? Like you, there has to be a penalty for you picking, making a bad choice. And if if it's harder to make a bad choice, then we gotta we gotta change. And it. remember, like I I believe there's what five or six quarterbacks right now on pace for over forty touchdowns. Right, passes. which is stupid. Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> so. Are you starting any Seahawks? I mean, can you start Russell Wilson? I, so, so no, I mean, Doug Baldwin, you know, uh, the Rams haven't been great against slot receivers this season, so I think Baldwin fits in as sort of a three. Um, that might be it. I don't know what's going on with Chris Carson. Uh, I do know that if he is healthy, uh, Pete Carroll has ruined any fantasy value Carson might have this week because he said Mike Davis is going to get into the rotation. And why did the Seahawks draft Rashad Penny in why? the first round? Why? I mean, why? 
They you had so they many. They made a trade. Why? To, I mean, to draft you had Johnson. so many different needs and more pressing needs, and you draft a running back in the first round who you don't even trust enough to give a featured workload to when the guy ahead of him on the depth chart isn't playing. And people were like, oh, picking up a shot penny. Chris Carson's out. Maybe I could flex penny. And Mike friggin' Davis comes in and rolls over the Cardinals. And I, even if Carson is active this week, I can't play him. I can't play him. No. I, I'm playing Baldwin and Lockett. Lockett went back to being Lockett when Baldwin came back. I mean, Lockett was kind of eh, fantasy players. Sometimes good, more often than not average. When Baldwin was out, he was awesome. Baldwin comes back, Lockett's kind of average again. So there's not a whole I'm – I'm not playing Russell Wilson. Not playing him. Look at his numbers against the Rams. I don't know what it is about him. They have his number. Uh, even in Seattle, more so when they play on the road, when they play either in St. Louis or Los Angeles um, over the last few years. But they have his number. So Russell Wilson is a definite fade for me. Yeah. I just Man, it, I, I really believed in Russell Wilson, but it's just – This was the highest scoring player in fantasy football last year. You're also We're also starting to realize that, you know, obviously one man – can't do everything forever like he did it mm-hmm. he did it he did it pretty well last year all yep. mostly by himself but it's just there's only so long that that one guy can and i think things it. will get better for him but it ain't happening this week um cowboys at texans so there's zeke and then jeff swaim yay then, then, jeff swaim did you know that he he <laughs> this is like i can't even get it out because it's like so ridiculous jeff swaim has run more routes than any other Cowboys receiver. I Jeff mean, freaking Swain. That just, I won't. That's just eyewash, man. Like you're just running around. You just that's like that's like that's like a, a parent who puts his his or her kid into soccer just because they want the kid to run around and get tired <laughs> out. Like that's that's what that's what Jeff Swain feels. And you know what, too? Like he's actually, if you're desperate, I mean, maybe not Calvin Benjamin desperate, but if you're desperate, you know, the Texans, you know, they've given up the ninth most fantasy points to tight ends this season, given up 15 a game. They've given up three touchdowns to tight ends. You know, I, listen, this is where we're at. This is where we're yeah, at. This is we're, where we're in the are. Jeff Swain portion of your tight end program because it has become an absolute wasteland at this position with everybody who's gotten hurt. I mean, yeah. It's so bad. Tight end. Tight end makes me sad. Like, one of the worst parts of my week now is ranking tight ends. Because I'm like, I just. I know. Because I, you get to 10 and it's like Vance McDonald. Like, basically, I go, you know, in some order, it's like, you know, Kelsey, Ertz, and Gronk. Yep. Um, Jordan Reed was back this week. So I put Jared Cook. there. But then, like, I just want to put, like, 13 guys at 11. Like, yeah. that's all I want. Like, you're just, like, you're, you're just outside the top 10, and you're all kind of going to be about the same. Throw a and, dart. Like, you know. Yeah. Rank them all. Let the fantasy gods sort them out. Mm-hmm. Um, what what even is Lamar? I, I I know I'm kind of big on Lamar Miller this week, but I'm just trying to like he's he's like Schrodinger's running back. Like he's either good or not good, and we can't really tell which. Yeah, I know. And you know the touch share was like almost split down the middle last week with Offered Blue, so that makes it even more of an issue. So if the touches aren't going to be guaranteed now, the Cowboys defense is not the same without Sean Sean Lee. There's just right. There's no question about that. But I mean, to me right now, I mean, Lamar Miller's a flex starter, and that's it. And that 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 is it. And hopefully you get some production out of him. But he's risk-reward at best. He is 14th in rushing yards, mm-hmm. which, which isn't terrible. He's averaging about about four yards a carry. Um, he... <sighs> So in some ways, he kind of is what I, you know, to, to you know, paraphrase Dennis Green, he is what I thought he was. Mm-hmm. Um, 
a, a decent sort of, you know, maybe RB2 flex sort of guy. And I know a lot of people are frustrated with him because I get a lot of tweets asking if they should trade him, if they should drop him, what they should do. And I keep telling people he kind of is what he is. The only difference is he's not scoring a lot of touchdowns. Like, I would like that to happen maybe. But, yep. you know, he he just he's frustrated. But I do think this is a week where you can kind of count on him a little bit. I just think, you know, as you mentioned, no Sean Lee there. Um, I think if they can get him out and use him in the passing game a little bit more, which they haven't really. Um, they did a couple weeks ago against the Giants. Uh if they could use him in that capacity, I think he, he has some value this week. Yeah, he actually has, in PPR leagues, more fantasy points as a receiver than a runner. I believe that. But um, it's it's basically because of that one game where he had the touchdown catch. He's had eight catches this season. So, but no, that has only, He doesn't have a rushing touchdown. He has a receiving touchdown. I mean, right. He's, he's a risk-reward player. And last week, the matchup set up well for him. And they went with Alfred Blue in a committee. You're not my boy, Blue. Uh, Redskins at Saints. Adrian Peterson. Revenge. I actually think, I'm still playing him. You know, and I, okay. I know I had my minor game script rant uh, a little earlier in this show, but I do think this is one where game script kind of comes into play and potentially works against him. Mm-hmm. Um, oddly enough, he's actually caught more passes this year than I, I'm used to seeing from him, but I, I don't think that that's going to be a big part of what Washington does. I just have a feeling that, you know, New Orleans is going to go out here. They're going to do what they do. They're going to score points. They're going to move the football. I mean, they are fully operational now with Mark Ingram back. <laughs> um, so you, it just this just feels like a game that turns into a high-scoring affair, which means I feel like this is more of a Chris Thompson game than a, an Adrian Peterson game. Yeah, me too. Uh, you would think it's going to be a high-scoring game. The Saints are giving up like 30 a game so far. And there's just something about these dome games, right? Every dome game, like, has there ever been a defensive battle in a dome? Like, I feel like it's always like... <laughs> 35 30 doesn't matter so you think there's going to be a lot of points peterson will be motivated to play against his old team where he wasn't really a saint for that long but uh i I guess the divorce was not all that pleasant so he's going to be looking to put a little bit of a beat down on his old squad and of course the big story here from a fantasy perspective is that mark ingram is back and mark ingram who was one of the best running backs in fantasy football last season suspended four games coming back this week I say you play him. I mean, you drafted him to play him, even if he's a flex starter. And that's why I was targeting him in some of my drafts because he was falling to the fifth or sixth round, which he should have been because, of course, he's going to miss quarter of the season for right. fantasy folks. But now is the time that you that you sort of get him out there. What I'm really interested to see is not that he's going to have a huge negative effect on uh, Alvin Kamara, but let's see the goal line usage. Let's see where Kamara was getting a lot of these or all of these touches before. You know, is Ingram going to eat into that a little bit? So... Uh, and how is this going to change the offense? Remember last year, okay, Drew Brees was not that good of a fantasy quarterback when Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara were in that backfield. He just wasn't because they were running the football more often and the defense was playing well. And I think that might be the big the big difference here is that maybe Brees' value and, and his production doesn't slide as much because the Saints' defense is not good this season. It, really it is isn't. not good. So I have been a little more judicious about where I'm starting Mark Ingram. I'm not just blindly putting him in the lineups everywhere because the, the, the Washington run defense has been pretty good so far this year. I think, you know, hopefully there are goal line opportunities which could help him this week. But I just, you know, between that and the fact that I believe the Saints have a bye next week, this feels like a situation where they kind of slowly bring him along, uh, get him a little bit into game shape, take the bye next week to sort of get him really up to speed. And then he's like all systems go. Although, after the bye, I'm looking at the schedule. After the bye, the next three games at the Ravens, 
at the Vikings, although maybe that's not as right. bad. Maybe, maybe that's not as bad, bad as we yeah. thought it would be. And then home against the Rams. Mm. <laughs> so, yep. I don't know. So, we'll see. Um, so, anyway, those are our, our week five previews. Uh, hopefully, you, uh, you know and find something that makes you happy this week and uh, makes you productive uh, in your respective fantasy leagues. Indochino is the world's most exciting menswear company. They make suits and shirts to your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort, all available in a wide selection of high-quality fabrics and colors with the option to personalize details like your lapel, lining, pockets, buttons, and writing your own monogram. And now Indochino is expanding into casual clothing with made-to-measure chinos. These will quickly become your go-to pant pairing easily with anything from a suit jacket to a sweater. They're perfect for any time of the year and any occasion from boardroom meetings to Sunday brunches. Available for an introductory price of just $79. Better yet, this week our listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for only $359 at Indochino.com. Just enter the code LIVE at checkout. That's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. Plus, shipping is free. Just go to Indochino.com and use the promo code LIVE to get any premium suit for just $359 and free shipping. It's an incredible deal for a premium made-to-measure suit. All right. It's that time of the week. You know it. You love it. We, uh, we sit here and we mock it, but sometimes it, uh, <laughs> sometimes it actually makes a lot of sense. It is time for Eddie Murphy's Delirious Pick. Uh, just to go back from last week, I was two points off from Mayfield having more points than Aaron Rodgers. Right, so it wasn't, it wasn't was yeah, so not that bad. Wasn't all, ridiculous? Like, out of all weeks for Aaron Rodgers to, to play poorly, and then Baker Mayfield just versus the Raiders to even still played just uh, not well enough. He was... He was the, Decent, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my uh, delirious pick for this week, uh, based off of a performance we saw Thursday night, last Thursday night, was uh, Cooper Cup is now my pick uh, to be the number one fantasy receiver when things are all said and done this season. So not really a week pick, but I'm saying this week, yes, uh, because of his performance on Thursday. Uh, I just think watching the Rams, and I've watched every single one of the Rams games, he just seems like Jared Goff's guy no matter what, and their lack of, I guess, a, a real game changer at tight end. He's the red zone target too. They do also run a lot of gadget plays with him. So he's like, he has the ball in his hands in the backfield, like running the ball, uh, you know, playing Seattle twice, playing San Francisco twice, Arizona, they have new Orleans, Kansas city, some easy matchups for him, uh, in the upcoming week. So he's only 16 points behind Michael Thomas right now, who is the lead, um, according to my league stats and PPR. So I think, um, he'll come back down to earth. I think he can catch him and he will be the number one overall uh, receiver. Cause this Rams offense is, super high powered wow yeah mm. i kind of like that i mean i'm looking at it right now right like they're the, the target share robert woods has 34 brandon cooks has 33 cooper cup has 32 so i mean they're all yep. they're all right there neck and neck mm-hmm. um i mean the catches are again they're all similar uh cooks has 26 woods and cup each have 24 this uh man this i like this i'm, I'm gonna track this this is spicy yeah, okay yep. I totally. We got to track this for sure. I totally like this. Um, all right. Uh, before we get out of here, mailbag. We got some uh, some tweets yes, there? Yes, we have uh, plenty of tweets. Thanks to those who uh, who tweeted to us. And we have a bonus uh, one at the end that we could do a little cross-promotion because uh, Dave Damashek made a trade in his league with Cousin Sal, and uh, he wants feedback on that one. So okay. I'll read that last. But uh, we have at uh, ToneD84, one-point PPR, Emmanuel Sanders, Aaron Jones, or Will, Fer- uh, Will Fuller. 
Oh, PPR. I would just because it's PPR. I might go Sanders. Yeah, this I agree. Week. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think I go Sanders just because it's a P. If it was standard, I, I'd probably go somewhere else. But PPR, I go Sanders. Okay. At the Mike Angelo, uh, Mark Ingram back from suspension or uh, Galladay at the flex in PPR. I think I would go Galladay myself. I always go with the running back, but this time I'll go Galladay. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, we have at. Kachichi, 34. I've All been right. offered Edelman and Amari Cooper for Mike Evans and Tevin Coleman. Do nah, I accept? Nah. Wow, that was quick. Mm-mm. I want to try and get the best player in the deal, and you're not getting the nah. At G, uh, GBF7, Calvin Ridley, Julian Edelman, or Keenan Allen? Calvin Ridley, Julian Edelman, or? Keenan Allen. I think I might go Keenan Allen. I got to go Keenan Allen. Yeah. Yep. Okay, and the bonus one. So Sheck uh, and his league with Cousin Sal made a trade. Uh, Sheck okay. gave away Fournette and Yeldon for Patrick Mahomes and DJ Moore. Who was the winner of that trade? Wait, say that again. So he gave away. So Sheck gave Diamond Sheck gave away Leonard Fournette and TJ Yeldon and Cousin Sal. So he basically traded the Jaguars. The Jaguars backfield, backfield correct for Mahomes for Mahomes and DJ Moore. <sighs> I see. Cousin I mean, Sal kind of wins that one though. I mean, because. Here's the thing about trading quarterbacks. Like, yes, I get it. Patrick Mahomes has been lights out. But you can find a quarterback on the waiver wire sure. somewhere else. Meanwhile, like, you know, when Fournette, if he comes back at some point, he's coming back at some point. I mean, then you got two running backs who can both be kind of productive. And I'm assuming this is a redraft league. So DJ Moore really has no value whatsoever uh-huh. right now. So he basically traded... Pat Mahomes uh, for the Jaguars backfield straight up. I mean, that's basically what it is because DJ Moore has done nothing and isn't startable at this point. So, yeah, see, like when people make trades. So, you know, we had this uh, last week. It was like, you know, would you trade Mahomes to get Saquon Barkley? Hell yeah, I would do that Mm -hmm. because quarterback is so much deeper, as Marcus said. And I could just stream quarterbacks because right now the quarterback position is going bananas when it comes to points. So to lose, and I get Fournette's hurt right now, but to lose him and at some point he'll come back, Yeldon is a fine uh, handcuff, it's just hard for me to do that because supply and demand. There's so much of a supply with quarterbacks and there's so much of a demand for running backs and there's not a whole heck of a lot of good ones uh, as good as Leonard Fournette, that's for sure. So yeah, I just I just don't. I don't like giving up who could be an elite running back, who has been an elite running back, for an elite quarterback. I just, I'd rather not do that. Right. Do you think he'll get to that level this year, Fournette? Just out of curiosity. Dude, I mean, if he's healthy, he's that's, one, that's, he's that's, the, guy, big he's that's the big if. That's the big if. Scares me. So right. That's the big if. So if it was Fournette for for Mahomes straight up, I mean, I I thought he was going to be a, a top, you know, I thought he was going to be like a top three. Uh, fantasy back this year, but that was provided he stayed healthy. And yeah, that part, of and that's the thing. And and I also, it's hard to like gauge how good or bad a trade is when one of the key components in the trade is hurt. I don't know when he's coming back. We have no idea right. when he's coming back. Is he going to get, you know, eight games out of Fournette? Is he going to get ten games out of Fournette? I mean, Yeldon's good, but he's not Fournette. He's a nice handcuff, but he's not Fournette. So that those are always really hard to gauge. 
No doubt. Uh, before we get out of here, a quick note. The NFL app, by the way, it is back this season. It's completely reimagined. I am a fan. I've got it on my phone. I've got it on my Xbox. You can use it in so many different places. You can stream live local games. You can get all the primetime games live, as I mentioned, on your phone with the all-new Game Center. Uh, you can get breaking news highlights, stats, real-time insights from around the league or your favorite team. So download it wherever you can. Uh, it actually is pretty good. I love it. I use it as many times as I possibly can. So uh, I fully endorse that. Anyway, that'll do it for us this week. Thanks for listening as always. And always remember, four out of three people struggle with math. We'll see you on Monday. <laughs> <laughs>you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you when you pull up to game night in the all-new camry but it's actually bingo night mini golf anyone it's a camry vibe the all-new all-hybrid camry toyota let's go places you wouldn't expect to hear that we're america's third best city for beer like this one or home to vibes like this and this it might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like whoa and hmm. not to mention we have one of the top zoos in the country so can a city with the country's best pro soccer team ranking as a top culinary destination in the world be in your own backyard yes columbus plan your summer at experience slash summer